Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. I'm Daniela Kuye. And I'm Juliette Sali. And Danny, of course, a lot of green coming through on the screen today on the fact, I guess, we're going to get to that in a moment, but whether or not the RBA might pause after that inflation data. So we're just seeing the ASX 200 up by about a quarter of 1% on the close. Yeah, it, it is a bit disappointing, though, because when we look at that SIBO 200 chart, we could see that lovely spike in the market at 11.30 when that lower than expected inflation read came through. But nevertheless, green on screen, SIBO 200 up by two points. And uh, that's just over one tenth of a percent. But let's have a look at some of the themes of today. And we can't go past, can we? Inflation. Maybe maybe <laughs> we haven't been going to the dentist and hairdresser because we did see some well, Mine's the, getting very mine's long. Mine's very long. I just booked a <laughs> appointment actually for Saturday. Anyway, we're not here to talk about hair, but we are here to talk about inflation easing 4.9% on the year to October, below what the market was looking for at 5.2%. Strip out all those volatile items, core also uh, growing at a slower pace than expected. So that really just adds to that case that maybe we won't see a hike next week. Absolutely. It does look like that. Um, But it's really interesting. Like um, probably you today, Jules, we have been speaking with a lot of experts and guests and I sort of frame it as like the jury is now out Mm. as everybody will be watching that December CPI print the quarter at the end of January to see whether or not the RBA will hike again. Mm. So I think it's harder at this point in time given this read and so many unknowns because pull through potentially of spending into Black Friday and Cyber Monday, massive results. Temple and Webster Mm. having double the amount of sales for Black Friday than they did um, last year. That's massive. But maybe people have saved up, they've gone out, they've done all their shopping. So we'll have to see what happens, you know, going forward. Well, I think that was the anecdotal CBA evidence too, wasn't it? That the foot traffic over Black Friday, Cyber Monday looked good, but we were perhaps holding off uh, earlier in October. But yes, certainly, as you say, it could be out. And uh, just worth noting, our friends across the ditch left rates on hold at 5.5% today. Absolutely. And we did want to discuss the Aussie dollar as well, because it had reached, I think you were saying, a three-month high. Just looking at it currently as it's trading, it's really been quite solid today. It has not uh, had a dramatic move up or down. It's around 66 and a half US cents, but that is a three-month high. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, just more broadly, the dollar index, a three-month low, the US dollar index. So, And I guess also that 
you know, switch out between the interest rate differential of the Fed and us at the moment. But Absolutely. gold as well. I mean, look at Glistening. that. Glistening. Glistening. Um, <laughs> Newmont up 5.6%, it rose 6.3% in New York. Northern Star up by almost 4%. And gold at this six month high. A lot of analysts, Danny, saying, you know, watch out for potential fresh records. Woohoo. Well, mind you, our gold stocks really haven't performed this year. So it's great to see that we get, yeah. you know, particularly because the Aussie dollar is weak. So the gold price in Aussie dollar terms mm. is super high, but costs have been holding a lot of the back. Now let's have a look at some of the sectors and see what has been running. And we have seen great strength there across the technology sector. Interesting to note, block up by 4%. A lot of people, I think uh, Henry Jennings really l- likes the buy oh, now, yes, pay later. Oh, yes, zip, doesn't he? Yeah, off the back of the fact that uh, a lot of people are moving uh, towards buy now, pay later and also credit cards as uh, people are spending more on those. And mm. uh, yeah, Block definitely finding the love, as has Zero and WiseTech um, up by 3% and almost 3% respectively. Although talking about stocks that haven't done well, I mean, Block just still trying to get back to that $100 mark. Um, <laughs> IT, healthcare, consumer discretionary, REITs all did well. What didn't do well today was energy. So let's have a look at that. Woodside down by about 1%. Santos, Ampol, Viva Energy. Of course, we're looking ahead to that OPEC plus meeting as well. Indeed. Now, of course, it is still AGM season. So let's focus in. Now, talk about an ongoing bloodbath. Poor (laughs) shareholders and EML payments. Basically telling shareholders at its meeting that the company is currently hampered by a number of EBITDA and cash flow negative business lines due to a deteriorating customer performance and increasing costs. And uh, it did post a year-to-date October revenues of over $93 million, which were up 39% on the prior period. Earnings up also by 279% to $12.5 million. Uh, and looking ahead, the company expects earnings to be in the range of 52 to $58 million, which is a rise of 56%. But clearly, market's not taking any of that as good news. Yeah, and you mentioned Temple and Webster. I mean, up 16% there, $7.45. 21-month high after its AGM. So sales growth up by about 23% from July to November. Yeah, very strong. And NWR Holdings, that stock up by 3%. As it tells shareholders at the AGM, the outlook remains positive with around $3 billion in revenue secured across a full year, 25 and beyond. And the company is also optimistic about delivering strong growth in revenue and earnings for 2024. And uh, yeah, so good results there, looking at improving volumes. Yep, and CSL up 2%. It had Japan's Ministry of Health approving its self-amplifying mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. So that kind of just replicates uh, what's in your body and and I guess means that the strength of these vaccines is going to be even greater. Mm, Absolutely. And of course, Sequiris is the company's vaccine business and one of the largest influenza vaccine providers in the world. And good to see Fisher and Paykel shares were also having their best day in almost six months as the company reported 12% a rise in half yearly net profit to over New Zealand, $107 million. So it looks as though some of those headwinds are moving away, uh, but they still are cautioning on uh, some inflation in raw materials and manufacturing costs that they're keeping an eye on. And that did actually give a bit of a boost to ResMed as well, I noticed today. Indeed. All right. Well, of course, EML we're talking about down 29%. It was the stock of the day. We had guests Andrew Wheeland from DP Wealth Advisory and, of course, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today.
I had no idea what this business did. Right. Uh, and I think the market finally came to the conclusion that nobody had any idea what this business did and not even the management had any yeah. idea what this business did. It just looked really cool on paper like we work. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. one of those cool things. Yeah. Um, and clearly it came a cropper in Ireland that constrained their business. They're going back to basics. But yeah, I mean, why? Yeah. I mean, yeah. why be there at the end of the day? Yeah. It really yeah. doesn't do it for me, even with a 30% fall. As I say, every now and then you get tempted because there are some M&A rumors about it. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of tempting, I guess, for private equity to look at it. And maybe uh, there's something there. But, you know, shrinking to greatness is never, never no. a great thing, is it? Let's no. face it. There's, you want growth stocks yeah. at the moment. That's where the money is. And some stability. And some <laughs> stability, <laughs> certainty, and not doing the wrong thing. Akashi, when you see words like refocus, uh, reducing management distraction, or my personal favorite, Im- improved um, regulatory risk profile, whatever that means, um, then, yeah, I mean, if, if that's not a danger wall Robinson sign, I'm, I'm not quite sure what else you need. Um, if you look at the PE uh, prior to today, sorry, including today, it's trading on around 10 times earnings assuming that you have confidence in the 2025 numbers. Um, so, you know, 10 times is okay. Technically, 40 cents is where you want to be buying it. We're at the moment 77, so I'm not saying it's going to 40, but I'm just saying for the risk you're being asked to bear, whilst management refocuses having reduced their distraction and looking at their regulatory risk profile, uh, 77 cents is not appealing. So okay. thanks, but no thanks. No. Welcome our friend, Carl Rodder from Capital.com to the COB. Kyle, so much to talk about, but I did want to get your thoughts on CPI because I've just got a note in my inbox now saying Capital Economics says the RBA is done. They're out calling it, saying that we won't see any more rate hikes. So your view on, on inflation and, and where it could potentially put Michelle Bullock and co.? Yeah, well, a little like Danny was saying before, I think it's that January um, quarterly figure that'll be more important. I mean, the uh, 4.9% drop on a headline basis is significant and obviously shows that some of the pressure is coming off households. Um, and, you know, especially when you consider that it was primarily uh, food and clothing that were sort of weighing on, on I guess, uh, price growth over the last month or so. But, you know, trim mean was still around five and a bit percent, I think 5.2, 5.3%, which, you know, if that is replicated and, and, and felt slow to come down um, over the next few months, um, and I should say replicated in the quarterly figures, I mean, that's still uh, well above the RBA's cash rates so or real yields are still fairly negative, um, and obviously well above the 2 to 3% target band. So, I mean, if you look at market pricing, we've seen probably eight or nine basis points from, from when I uh, just checked about an hour ago uh, out of the curve when it comes to future rate hikes. I mean, we did have the cur- curve suggesting, you know, sort of a 4.5% um, sort of peak in in, in um, the uh, in, as far as what was being implied in the futures markets. So that's coming out just a little bit. But um, again, it's too early, I think, to, to call the end of the rate hiking cycle. And it, it'll really be important um, how those quarterly figures shape up because, um, yes, that, that headline number was fantastic um, in many respects, but it's that trim fit trim mean figure is, is still uh, far too high to, to, to again, um, sort of call the end of the rate hiking campaign as far as I'm concerned. Okay, let's okay. turn to the US dollar, Kyle, versus the little Aussie battler. So is the US dollar weak or is the Aussie dollar strong? <laughs> 
Um, mostly the US dollar is just falling out of the bed and you, um, you can kind of see it in um, you know, the price of gold, which is effectively just a trade on the, on, on the dollar at the moment. Um, and then probably even more appropriately, you can see it in the outperformance of the Japanese yen last night. So um, you know, the, the, the trade probably was unwound a little bit. We saw the yen um, trade around 146, which it hasn't done so for several months um, against uh, the, the US dollar. Um, but in any kind of session where you see effectively the G10 currency map and uh, the, the, the row right next to the Japanese yen lighting up in green, you know this isn't because of some very pro-risk story necessarily, uh, but because we're seeing uh, effectively yield spreads come in quite significantly. Um, and the yen's obviously the, the, the benef biggest beneficiary of that just because spreads were uh, are, are the widest uh, in terms of treasury spreads against um, JGBs. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a funding currency as well. So, you know, there are certain things that are, are working in favour of the the, the, green, uh, the the Aussie dollar as well. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of, you can't sort of create obviously sort of a dichotomy there necessarily entirely. You know, um, iron ore prices being reasonably robust, market sentiment has improved quite significantly, and, and yield spreads uh, against uh, the treasuries and Australian government bonds have come in quite significantly, both because of expectations that maybe the RBA might go again. Um, and, you know, we've seen peak rates in, in the United States as far as, you know, um, rates traders are concerned. So um, there, there is some reasons that the Aussie dollar is rallying. I should say, too, positioning was incredibly short for a very long time. And I think that's why we've basically seen the dollar fall out of bed over the last few sessions. But mostly, almost everything that's happening in the markets now is is a US dollar story um, and this rapid shift in expectations around Fed policy uh, but also the the, the unwind of very long positioning in the in the greenback which had prevailed up until the last call it two weeks or so yeah just briefly on the Kiwi uh, Kyle after our friends left their interest rates on hold and it does seem the RBNZ is done yeah, well, uh, it certainly seems that the RBNZ is signalling that it's likely um, seen a peak in the overnight cash rate. However, it's kind of implied that hikes could remain on the table and suggested that it remains wary of inflation data as to whether any further tightening will be required. So if you look at uh, the projections that the RBNZ provided with um, its decision today, it's sort of implying an OCR of 5.63%, and that's, that's exactly the number that they provided um, at some point next year, which is a fraction higher than the 5.5% cash rate um, prevailing at the moment. And it also deferred uh, when it expects or when it projects to begin easing rates again basically beyond mid-2025 now, which again was a, a little bit further than, than previous forecasts. So it was sort of a shot across the bow because, you know, like the um, ECB, like the Fed, um, Bank of Canada, Bank of England, everyone has basically been pricing in that those central banks are done and will be cutting at some point next year. There was a little bit of a nudge back against that by the RBNZ. It was part of the reason why the Aussie uh, bounced back briefly throughout the day session because the, the Kiwi was up by about 1% throughout the day's trade. In fact, it's, you know, you're looking incredibly overboard from a technical point of view. Momentum's very, very strong to the upside. Um, but, you know, you could even potentially apply, you know, the risks because we do have a Powell speech in, in the coming days too, as well as some US economic data with, you know, markets getting so excited about the prospect of uh, peak interest rates from, from the Fed. The, the, the notion was there for the RBNZ as well. People, it, traders were, were pricing in the same thing. They kind of uh, watered down those hopes a little bit. You know, the Fed could easily do the same and we could see uh, a little bit of volatility off the back of that. So I don't think central banks are certainly wanting to run any victory laps, certainly with, with inflation above target, albeit, you know, with forecasts that, you know, there, there should be a glide path back to sort of a, a soft landing and, and inflation at target at some point next year. Really quick question. Apparently, Bill Ackman is now calling for yeah. the Fed to cut 
in the first quarter. And, you know, he's been very active because uh, he was short the 30-year bonds, reversed it along the same time as Druckenmiller. You know the story. What does he know that we don't know? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm sure he knows a lot more than me, that's for sure. But, um, I mean, effectively, if you if you look at what his um, uh, assumptions or, or what, he's, what he's calling is that effectively the Fed will be cutting at the start of next year, which is more or less to suggest that he sees uh, a recession looming in the United States. That's, that's the subtext. So um, it was an interesting interview. It did sort of come out, um, I think, earlier on this morning as far as those comments in particular. You always kind of have to take maybe a cynical approach with Ackman because he does like to talk his book a little bit. I don't think he minds front running these sorts of um, calls, especially now that he knows that he's such a powerful um, voice in the markets that, you know, can literally move the world's most liquid market with with, with just a tweet. But, you know, what he's saying is that he, he's, he's um, placing a bet that um, rates will be cut by March next year. Uh, under those assumptions, that, that will only occur if we effectively see a very, very precipitous drop in economic activity. So it's kind of a foreboding message. But, you know, I guess he's just one player in the market. He just happened to be right on a couple of occasions this year when it comes to, um, you know, turning points in, um, in fixed income markets and in rates markets. All right, Kyle. All thanks. Right. As always, happy Wednesday. Kyle Rodder there from Capital.com. Okay, let's have a look at some of the leaders and laggards. And we probably have touched on a few of them, but let's see what's leading the pack. Link administration continuing to run about after those upbeat comments at the AGM yesterday. Also, Fisher and Paykel, better than expected results. And I did note a couple of brokers that come out with buys recently on that one. Emerald Resources, Perseus Mining and Bellevue Gold, talking about all that glitters is gold, all up by over 5%. All right, let's look at the laggards in today's session. There we go, Core Lithium. We've been talking about uh, the collapse in, in some of these lithium prices. Um, Anandara Asset Management, Sean Cartwright, right? Yep. Yes, yeah, I was speaking to him earlier. He was saying, look, he thinks it's overdone. Grain Corp, of course, had uh, its AGM, oh no, traded ex-div today, Siona Mining down 3.7, QBE off by almost 3%, and Horizon there down by 2.2%. And should we get to the small caps? Yes, I know you've been waiting. There you go. Pantora up 17%. Pacific Smiles, speaking of dentists, yes. up 14%. And Arafura Rare Earths up by 11%. And on the downside, EML payments, we've discussed that. Ad nauseum off by 29.2%, our stock of the day as well. So you can catch up with that on osbiz.com.au. And also rounding out the laggards in the small cap space, 88 Energy, Eris Resources, DUG Tech and Elixir Energy. Let's have a look at what we are expecting overnight. Uh, the USG GDP print, uh, wholesale inventories, also got the beige book and some earnings from Foot Locker, Dollar Tree, Salesforce and Synopsis. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting, I would have thought, giving uh, shining a light there on the consumer as well as what's going on in the enterprise software space. And uh, let's have a look for the day ahead tomorrow because uh, we have the OPEC meeting, of course. We've also got building approvals for October, private sector capex for the third quarter, private sector credit for October, and New Zealand business confidence for November. So it's pretty busy. Indeed. All right, Japan retail sales also coming through in industrial production, a bunch of China PMIs for November as well. Some AGMs, it's still AGM season here. And then we've got earnings reports and ex-dividend stocks, including a Aristocrat and Technology One. So we will, of course, keep you updated across all of that on Ausbiz tomorrow. It's a very busy day. Absolutely. Now, a quick recap on the market. And I've got the ASX 200 up 20 points. 
7,035. That's almost three-tenths of a percent. Is that what you're getting, Jules? Yeah. And SIBO 200 up two points or 0.15%. So that is it for today. Um, had, uh, we've had lots of really interesting interviews. We have. And also, Danny, have you ever wondered about um, stock pickings? Oh, the secret to success oh, in stock picking. Have you ever wondered? Join stock doctors Daniel Ortiz and Tim Lincoln as they lift the lid on the rigorous filters and processes they use to pick stocks. And Power Returns, that's tomorrow, 11 a.m. Yes, alive or on demand. And some of these secrets have led the stock doctor star stocks funds to yield 17.3% per annum return since inception. Don't miss the opportunity to ask them questions to learn how they do it. It's free to register. Head to osbiz.co forward slash stock doctor. And that really does do it for this Wednesday. Um, we've had a great day, very busy. We were mentioning about a lot of really interesting guests. We had one of the ones that I really enjoyed. And of course, all our viewers, listeners can catch up on line on osbiz.com.au but I was speaking to uh, Pablo I'm forgetting his last name but from Stewart Investments I'm sorry mm -hmm. about Pablo um, that has been a lot of people today but you know talking about these conflict minerals and the mining and how we yeah. should think about the ethics and yeah. all of that I thought it was really fascinating and it is chat. for the provenance when you're doing um, you know ESG focused mm. uh, production it's really important well there we go Pablo catch up on that interview online and much much more so everyone will be here bright and early 9.30 tomorrow morning. Otherwise, have a great evening. Indeed. Pablo Baruti. There See you go. tomorrow. <laughs>